1: who have found ways to bring hope, healing, and freedom into places where trauma has impacted them? I'm Allie, author of The Art of Healing Trauma, and I'm here to remind you that life is sweet. Now, let's dive in and find ways to create our joy. Hi, this is Allie, and find your joy. And we are back with the amazing, the incredible, the oh my gosh, this guy has stories for days, Lonnie Glass. Welcome back, Lonnie. Ooh, hey,
0: another day, another dollar. Well, not another dollar, just another day.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, um, when we were just uh, just chatting because we're going into episode two, part two. Um, you were talking about taking care of the uh, the people and, and, uh, and cleaning up things and stuff. And I thought, you know, you remind me very much of, um, well, you, you're a bit of a prophet. I see you as kind of a prophet. And, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, I, I think that you have a, a gift. Uh, and I was sort of talking about this a little bit before. So there's, there's that you are this incredibly disciplined and skilled individual. And that's, Those are, those are handy things. Those are really good. Uh, On top of that, though, you have this huge heart and a lot of integrity and you're really kind and you see things in others and then you just, you go for that. So when you were talking um, last time about, you know, drummers and different people and seeing where they've come and the people that you're surrounded with, I just I was thinking, do you are you aware that those people, if they're reciting the amazing people that they're surrounded with, that you would be on their list, and, and that's and the, it, you know, and the prophetic part is, I think you know, I, I remember years ago. Um, a voice, right? Whatever, if it, whether people want to call them whatever they are, a prophet or a revelatory person or a psychic, I don't really care. But I heard a really good description once was that it doesn't take much to see something, um, a flaw in another person. That takes no great gift. We're humans. You know what I mean? You walk into any room and you're going to see a lot of flaws in there. What's a tr- a treasured quality in a person is a person that sees the diamonds in the rough, mm-hmm. the person that sees all that a person could be, and then they fan that flame. They f- bring they they speak it to the person. They speak it over the person. They oh, bring yeah. that to life, and I think that's something that a gift that you walk in.
0: You know, amazing. It just made me think of another little story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Uh, again, a drummer. Uh, His name is Phil Krawchuk, and he lives in Calgary. He's just, again, just a dynamite. I got to say, as a bass player, you know, the the rhythm section is, for me, it's, uh, even objectively, the rhythm section is the key. Yes. To a a band. I mean, you can have a good band with a great rhythm section, the good band becomes really good yes and a great band with a crappy rhythm section can become mediocre anyways yes. uh it, it, we're the unsung part of of sort of music as the rhythm section. but phil and i were were fanatic golfers so we we would have our golf clubs in the in the uh, the van where we're driving and of course if we saw a golf course we'd stop and the other guys I, we'd say okay Uh, take a rest we're going for three hours to golf and so we would golf our way on tour and always and we were very similar our uh, talent as golfers uh, which was quite good and uh, so we were very competitive but then I started realizing my god Phil he's really incredible golfer He's getting, he's becoming unbelievable. So I told him, I said, you know, Phil, I th- I think you're a great drummer, but I think you should quit, and I think you should become a golf pro. I said, you're good enough. I, you know. Think about it, you know. If you if you think your dreams are to be a rock and roll star drummer, you know, your odds are very slim. Uh, He was, I think, 35 or 38 at the time. I said, you know, it'll take you four years to go to school and get the proper degree so you can have your card as a pro. You'll be a pro anywhere, any golf course, and you could still play. Yes. Uh, Just reverse it. Make golf your thing, and then you'll become. So I went off, and I did other things. What do I find out? (laughs) He's a golf pro. Oh my gosh, I love this. He went and became a golf pro and he moved to Edmonton and he got his degree for it and he became a golf pro. And he's 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 no he's a lot younger than I, but he still has his card so he can still be, be a pro. But so what did he do with his money? Bought studio equipment. And he recorded a recording studio and he was drumming and continued to drum, continued to do music. And so he's, he's double faceted. And so he's a great friend of mine and he lives in Calgary now. And, you know, we went on tour in in Finland together. I took him and, you know, we meet this, we're on, on the ship going to Stockholm for a little break and I walk in, I start talking to this uh, this girl, cute little, cute Finnish woman, photographer. And then I go back to Phil and I say, Phil, you gotta, you gotta try to hook up with this girl. I think she's really cute. And I think I think she'd be fine. So we ended up marrying this girl. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Like I have all these little scenarios that have happened. There are so. I'm things.
1: telling you, you're a prophet, man.
0: <laughs> you know, I think the Indians call them bodhisattvas. They come. They 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 decide they're not going to go into the, you know, the transcendental uh, enlightenment. They'll come back and help others.
1: <laughs> yes well that's beautiful I love that, and yeah, that so, so.
0: And, but my favorite one I have to say this because I love her so much is is Sarah Smith
1: oh. and,
0: you know Sarah I've known uh, I guess I first knew her uh, around I've, it's almost 25 years but uh, when she was obviously very young and uh, I was doing my ZZ Top thing and my guitar player uh, this guy, Billy Durst, who I got uh, playing for me. Uh, this was the guy I went on tour with, by the way, Billy Durst, when, and that got me into thinking about doing this easy top thing. So he went off to do his thing. I was with my f- boyhood friend. My boyhood friend left, actually from an ar- argument we had, and he split. And I was walking down the street, and I see this cab, at the corner. And I'm honestly, this is like you couldn't write this. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I going to do? Who am I going to find that's even close to John as a guitar player? We have all these gigs and tours coming up. And at the corner is this taxi. And the taxi driver is Billy, the guitar player.
1: You see? And the so I, you are
0: just. It's <laughs> unbelievable, Elliot. So I say, Billy. You want to be in a band? And he looks at me and says, great. And I said, only thing I have to find out, can you grow a beard? He says, sure. So I told him this easy top thing. Now, Billy still has his beard. Like This is like 30 years. And his beard is down to his waist, and it's white. <laughs> <laughs> He's aged. Anyway, so Billy becomes the guitar player. And we're rocking, having a great time. Okay. We've gone to to Finland a couple of times, so I call him up. I say, "Billy, it's Finland time," and he says, "Lonnie, I can't go." I said, "Come on, it's so much tour this, book, what's the problem?" He said, "I'm working with this young songwriter named Sarah Smith, and uh, you know, and I, I just can't go." I said, "Okay, here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring Sarah with us." And she'll open the night. She'll open for us every night. So Sarah, I I gave Sarah her first experience of
1: Oh of my gosh, this is the best <laughs> this is the best story ever.
0: Yeah. So
1: <laughs> Sarah
0: Sarah comes on tour and then we get back and she comes to visit me and because they were, they were thinking at the end of, by the end of the tour, uh, Billy and her wanted me to become their manager. Right. Canada. So I was, I had been thinking about it. So I said to Sarah, okay, here's the hard news. If I was your manager, I would say to you, you know, Billy Durst is a phenomenal guitar player, but he's my age. I was like 50 years old. I said, Sarah, you gotta, you gotta go find a guitar player who's hungry and young like you, because right now, you know, it looks like you're playing with grandpa. Right. And it's cool, but you know, it's like, you're, you're a punky rocker and you know, you want to legitimize yourself. You can still use Billy as a songwriting partner, use him in the studio for his great playing, but get someone young. So there was like some, it was it didn't go so well. <laughs> However, <laughs> honestly. There was
1: moments. <laughs>
0: honestly, 10 years later, I saw that Sarah was playing nearby where I was living. And I thought, oh, gee, I haven't seen Sarah in 10 years. I'm going to go in and say hi. So I I walked in and she saw me and she just ran over and hugged me. And and she said, Lonnie, you were right. And that's what she'd done. She'd gotten this young, young kids and they were just young band, punk band, and they were getting really successful and doing great. And I was so thrilled with her. And I, I, she, I, just recently, as uh, five years ago, I said Sir, we were in touch, and I said she wanted to come out west. I said, "Okay, I'll I'll get you some gigs." So I did. I got her I, some island gigs, and I drove her and her bass player around. They were coming as a duo, so we became uh, I became her valet, and I said, "All I will ask is that I can open a couple of shows for you, doing my acoustic." So we did, and then. Sarah moved out to Pender Island. Right, right. And she immediately called me and said, I'm out west now, Lonnie. You want, you want to be my bass player? Oh, it's like pay back. I'll, <laughs> I'll pay back for what you did. I said, great, I'm in. So I've been her bass player since then. We've gone to Europe a couple of times. We're going again. And uh, But, you know, we're like soulmates, you know. And I love her so much. Like her, she's one of the most amazing ladies anyone could meet. Really, she's absolutely beautiful, and she's been through her own little hell.
1: Yeah,
0: right. You know, which can either kill you or make you stronger. And That's
1: right. That it, that it, that's the whole thing, right? If yeah.
0: And she made it through, and she's just just a, a, an adorable human being, and I love her.
1: Completely. Oh, that's awesome. I actually um, was able to um, do an interview with Sarah and get to know her a little bit. I mean, I'd known her music a bit. And because of you and Stuart, oh, I, yeah. I, I was feeling like I knew her because I'm, you know, I'm watching you guys as you're going on these tours. And and I, the connection between you and Sarah is very, you can see that it's electric on stage.
0: Yeah, I've got some I mean, great whole band photos. the is great, but you got too, great like... photos of like her and I. That just something happens. It's it's totally organic. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's real, you know. And I've I've had so many people that just say, actually say, is are, are you a couple? <laughs> 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 you know, and I say, well, you know, maybe it's uh, father daughter, but it's certainly not couple. But you know, just moments that happen. I've got one. Just someone took a just a gorgeous photo of her and I were like rocking out and we we're getting close. And then Sarah just, I'm looking right at her and she just moves her head and touches my head with her head, oh. right in the middle of this thing. And someone got a shot of it. And It's so.
1: Isn't that perfect that someone yeah. got and the shot?
0: Yeah, and it's like uh, you know that to me sums up uh, our relationship and that's i i you know and again you know i have to look at it and objectively and say you know there's going to come a time when you know i'm done you know i'm i'm not young uh, i can go for however long but i i know that she's a younger woman i won't say what her her age is but you know
1: younger than when, us
0: yeah, you know, when she's a certain age, I'll be eighty. So, yeah, you know, although McDagger still tours and he's eighty, that's what I was just so going so to say. There's every the possibility <laughs> that I'll still be hobbling around when I'm when my, uh, later on. Anyways, that's that's Sarah Smith, I, who I love, and uh, I've been gifted to be able to help her, and she's reciprocated in uh, yeah. like like likewise, which is great. And these are the connections. Uh, in and i I know that it can happen in any field you're in. It's not like yes, you know, but but it's for me, it's particularly poignant in a musical sense because the tendency as uh, you know we all are you know relatively egocentric, you know we have our our own little shields we put up to defend our our artistry, you know. And we cling to that, and it's you know I'm I'm a i am i am have narcissistic tendencies, you know. Me, artists, what artist doesn't, you know? Yes. So to be able to open the door and let the others in is 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 great. It's uh, it's a lovely thing, and you it, it's 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 a way better way to find expression, you know. Mm. The more you open, the more expressive you can be. So these people have have been very instrumental in my own awakening.
1: Right. And, and
0: being able to release. And then, you know, that allowed me to do things like co-write, which is probably one of the great releases of ego. Yes. Is to, is to let go of
1: the, the control. It's, it's mine.
0: <laughs> it's mine. How dare you? Yes. Right? And and uh, and I've I've co-written with uh, a bunch of people, getting swinging into the writing phase of my life, you know.
1: Right, and it's and, true when you think of it like a band, just, just a band coming together. So, as you mentioned, there's you know all all careers, all professions. There's this way, and I think. I'm going to, I'm going to say that people who tend to be on the artistic or more creative side of the spectrum tend to, well, we're passionate and we're, and we get a, you know, you get a, focus and it's just I just want to go for that thing and I would like you to all come along and support me in that but I'm not always um really wanting to hear a bunch of opinions on it I think that's kind of where the wheels come off the bus sometimes in bands and things like that and then the other side of it that works so beautifully is learning the conversation of music or any other art right that you know, we're all going to support you. We're still playing. But when someone is doing their thing, we're backing off and giving room for that part of the conversation. And that's a beautiful thing, I think, that happens in music, the learning to collaborate. Because if we don't really listen, then it's not. It's going to be noise, just a wall of noise. Yeah, that's if very we true. don't figure that out.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I... There's a, but there, there always has to be, I think, anyways, that, that when you're collaborating, uh, or in especially in a band situation, it, it's great to hear all the voices. But I think there has to always be the benign dictator. That,
1: yeah, somebody's got no, to sorry, be sorry, not benign, it. benevolent.
0: Yes, the benevolent.
1: Yes, benevolent, yes dictator. no, I, absolutely. He says, I
0: appreciate your input. I love what you're saying, but we're going to do it this way
1: we're going to do it this way that, I mean, there. And
0: that's great. And Sarah is quite like that. Like she's open to uh, people's when we're working up a song of hers and Stuart will say something or, and she'll listen, but you know, you know that, you know, who's got the, who's holding the reins.
1: So uh,
0: that's good. I have a, a a co-writing friend who is, uh, uh, there's another really neat story. His name is Norman Ball. He's from Leesburg, Virginia. He lives in Ireland now, and he's a, a poet. He's a, mm. he's an incredible poet, and uh, published. And he heard me on on some site. Uh, I don't know if it was Broadjam or Taxi or some one of these form uh, platforms. And he heard some of my songs. And he contacted me and said, "Would you be interested in putting music and your voice to uh, my poetry?" So he sent me. I said, "Well, send me. I've never done it. So send me some stuff, and I'll see." So I found one one thing I thought would be very cool, and I went into the studio and recorded it and sent it to him. And I said, "Look, I, I've taken some license." Uh, because, you know, some of these words, Norman, no one is even going to know what they mean. It's very erudite. And, you know, I've sort of constructed bridges, which poems don't have. And right. uh, So you tell me if you don't like it, hey, nothing, ventured nothing gained. So he said, oh, man, I love this. This is great. And we, we've done seven, We have about 70 songs together. Yeah. Whoa. We've done several, several CDs together and he gives me full license he says i won't even ask you i won't even tell you to change anything do what you want so you know and it's amazing cuz sometimes i'll write a song and i'll send it to him and he'll say wow i wrote that as a co- as, as comic <laughs> and i've made it and me personally i've i read it differently and thought of it as this morose somber <laughs> so it's, it's quite fascinating
1: but, I love that too right so how so I love that he wrote something in a certain way and this is when um what what i what's the word uh, collaborations and and perspectives and and how something lands on us yeah. is can be so beautiful because he wrote this thing with what with something yeah, in mind, completely as a then, joke. <laughs> yes, and then you took it. You know what? It's one of the reasons I often don't like to watch music videos, because yeah. I hear a song a certain way, and then I see the video. I have a, a couple of of late that I just love the songs, and I saw the video, and I'm like, ah, oh, oh. why have that wrecked it? I ah, oh, why did I watch that video? <laughs> it just was so different. But I so it's. It's a wonderful collective mosaic. It's like a quilt and everybody makes a square and then we put it together yeah, so it's, and it's absolutely. so
0: beautiful. you know, um I have uh, this is going to be a segue again into another perfect. Little but uh, I I was I love traveling, you know I was on I was on the road and we were in the United States and we were in Southern Pennsylvania. And of course, everyone in the band was sleeping. And whenever the band went to sleep, I, that was my chance to go out and do something. And so, cause I was always, didn't matter if I got to bed at three o'clock, I was still up at seven, you know.
1: I'm that way too. Yeah,
0: just the way I, I am, I love the mornings. So I get up and I'm thinking, oh, what am I, what am I gonna do? So I went to this battlefield in uh, Pennsylvania, in Gettysburg. And it, it was such a mind F for me it was so astounding and that I I got home and I I wrote this song relating to this battle Uh, the battle, it was a three day battle in in Gettysburg three days of fighting, 50,000 casualties the greatest battle ever on American soil and uh, it it was just stunningly emotionally gut-wrenching, so I wrote this song and uh, going back to my early, my friend, Eddie Schwartz, so I, I sent it to him. This is, again, inspiration, and how things happen. And I sent him, I said, Eddie, I've written a song and I, I think it's really good. I, give me your opinion. So he listened to it, and he wrote me back, and he said, Lonnie, this is just fantastic. And he said, have you ever thought of, like, making an entire CD relating to these battles it says you have this gift of this kind of imagery for this kind of thing, and so I ended up. I was so inspired by his inspiration mm. that I started researching uh, the old, the whole Civil War and and battles and individuals, and I ended up writing a CD. It's called "The Great Storm," and and what,
1: you, it's, what is it called? "The Great Storm." The great Storm. Oh my god! Which gosh. is what it, it was.
0: Which is what it was called by. Yes, by,
1: yes.
0: And uh, so it's, I think it has about eighteen or twenty songs, twenty-three songs on it. Yeah. So I wrote an entire. I wrote uh, almost entire, a
1: triple album. I mean,
0: trial <laughs> chron, chronology. It was like because uh, I and I ended up breaking it apart into one CD, uh, which was like a nine-song CD dealing with slavery, and then. Eighteen songs dealing with the, the battles of the Civil War, and so I immediately called my friend, or emailed my friend Norman, and said, "Norman, I'm doing this. Can you can you write some poetry?" So he sends me just this I believe, flu. because he went to one of the major uh, uh, William and Mary universities. Which was majorly like Confederate, like it, it was like Stonewall Jackson, the great Confederate general. His statue's there; he's buried there at this university. So uh, I got so much, so much material from Norman, and then we started collaborating to do this c- CD, and and I I do a concert of 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 this uh i haven't done i've never done one here in canada but when i i toured the united southern states i i decided i'm going to go on tour in the united states and i organized the tour myself and as a solo all through the deep south so i'm thinking oh wow you're here's this canadian kid going down to the south to tell them about slavery and the civil war. So I'm thinking, Oh man, (laughs) I may not even survive the trip, you know, but it was remarkable. I, I, I did it for the summer of 2010 and I played everywhere. Universities, colleges, uh, cafes, bookstores, uh, churches, black churches, white churches. And, you know, the greatest thing I got out of it was kids would come up to me and say, "Man, I wish you were my history teacher." <laughs> oh, because I, I, because I, I, I'm, I love stories, Ali, uh, and so rather than just research the raw stuff, I would find books on, like I've got one. I still have this book. It says, "What you didn't know." about the civil war and it's all this compendium of all these unbelievable stories (laughs) and facts about all the stuff that took place and uh and and so i would incorporate these stories so it wasn't on its own it's just you know songs and you have to try and glean from the song lyrics the story which doesn't work so i would tell the story so i i I'd tell the story and then I'd play the song that relates to the story because it's the story, right? And all I was doing was Oh, at, so you're actually
1: giving a bit of a, a prequel sort a of a preamble,
0: thing. right? Yes. It's like a preamble.
1: And oh. I would tell the
0: preamble as just a narrative. And then I would sing the song at the end as like, okay, here it is, that idea that I just told you about. Here's a song I wrote about that.
1: Oh, you know, that's interesting. I don't know if you know my cousin, Mark. Mark Perry is a Canadian singer-songwriter. And he was at, if you remember the, and I'm not going to remember the name of it right now, but the ferry that went down. uh, Yes, um, yes. Absolutely. Again,
0: I don't know the name, but I know the story.
1: You know the story. Yeah. Well, my, my, my cousin Mark and his band, um, we're playing at Bouchard Gardens once he he lives in Smithers actually, but he came down and he told the story he, and he it, and the bit of the story that he told was that he he someone from the crew knew his music and said would you consider writing a song about this situation that happened wow. And so so Mark went and spent time with the crew and then wrote this, so if you could, so now imagine this. So now this is just, so here's another thing. So my husband, David, was in his youth, he was from St. Catherine's. And for several years in his early to late teens, went all through the States doing Civil War reenactments. He was, he love. loves, he loves that stuff. And he's, and he's just... So so I'm sitting there with him watching this, and, and Andy Kate was with us, so me, David and his two wives is what we like to refer to ourselves as. So through the little three musketeers we do a lot together. Anyway, so we're sitting there watching my cousin. Now now David is still well. So he has he was in a, a a collision of two Canadian warships, so actually a a tanker and a Canadian warship. So and he's still really processing that, right? So I don't know i I'm not, and I'm so I mean, we're sitting there listening. so he tells the story about this is what this is about. And then he plays this song. Oh. And it is so haunting and powerful he's such a i'll give you one of his cds he's a really fantastic really amazing storyteller i'm all teary and then all of a sudden i realize and i look over and here's my husband just uh i mean he's you know 35 military year military guy right he's 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 not uh he's holding it he's holding it together but he's undone with this song because this song is about a collision absolutely and he has. well it's his story not mine but he's struggling with the effects the impact of being in that collision and then oh, we play man. this song so when you're saying that and, and i don't know if if he hadn't done the little preamble like you're saying it didn't take long this no. is what this is about this is how that happened and now you have us Right. Yeah, because it. now i'm not having to figure out what you're talking about no. i know what you're going to tell me i think there's something um there's something about that that happens with people if if you say and it, and it, it only has to be like a couple of sentences or a paragraph no, absolutely you just let no. them know this is what this is about now you've got me i'm engaged yeah yeah. That's I can't wait to get your I'm gonna it's I can't a, wait to get those cool things for him.
0: It, it's a really it's a it's a I always find it that you know the story, you know, the, it's like the music is is just a, a an emotional background because yes. you know you you find the right chords that fit the w- w- what you're saying, so it just becomes a like a this rhythm
1: behind yes. the story, right? And that, that sort of lets lets us, um, I, I yeah, it, there's something about music that just lets our guard down enough to listen to the lyrics. I mean, music on its own and instrumental is beautiful, and, and I would never take away from that. There's such a beauty in that. I think in a song with lyrics, there's a way that the music can guide us a little oh, bit.
0: There's no doubt. There's no doubt. You know, absolutely. There's something about the chords. You find the chords that, uh, for me as a writer, that you know uh, that strike me, relating to what it is I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Oh, I. You know what? Now that I'm now that I'm doing um, uh, sound and vibrational, um, working as a practitioner in that. I And I've been studying, I've, you know, now done a few certifications and diplomas and that I'm learning so much about music from from a different from a therapeutic angle. I mean, we all knew it's emotional and it's therapeutic and it's relaxing, but the actual like the actual chords you mm. would choose would resonate because they would that carry is. certain frequencies, it's
0: frequencies and vibration
1: right? It's, it's going to do that. So that's why you could put some words to, to different chords and it may not have the same impact because of the vibrations. And so like with me, if I'm doing a sound bath with a person and I'm getting their history, now I know, okay, there are certain frequencies that this person will benefit much like you know, take wow. vitamin C or whatever because you're getting a cold, I'd be like, okay, so this is happening. These are the frequencies that I'm going to. I do most of it organically and intuitively, but I will be very specific. Same with what you're saying with that song. The what it what it oh the bed that it lays in.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh and it can be it's very impactful. And you know, my that tour for me. Uh, you know, I, again, I met some just remarkable people, and uh, uh, one especially. His name was uh, Emory Campbell, and Emory, black man, uh, in um, uh, near Savannah, Georgia, which is the border of of South Carolina. Uh, right. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, the border of South Carolina and Georgia.
1: Right. Savannah. Okay.
0: And um, you know he well, comes from a, a long line of uh, well, comes from his heritage is African, and so he's uh, called a, a Gullah G U L L A H, and the okay. Gullah were were the are the remnants of slaves, the last remnant of the slaves, and they live on along the the coast Atlantic coast. From North Carolina down through to Florida, and uh, and their communities still, they still speak the the patois of 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 English and African language, and they still all their food is still the African food, and and it, it, they're just remarkable, and. Uh, uh, some believe that, that they, they may have come originally from Angola, Africa. So where, that's where you get Gullah, Angola, Angola. Right. So uh, anyways, uh, he was remarkable. And I met him. I was doing a concert there, and we met. And then he said, I want to take you. He was a tour guide. And he tour, took made tours into the Gullah culture on these islands. So he he said to me, I'd like to take you on a tour. And I said, well, okay, how much, blah, 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 where do we meet? He says, no, I'm going to take you on a private tour. And he took me alone. And I went into the Gullah people's homes. We ate. We sat and talked. And this was the inspiration for when I got home. i I be, I, did a ton of research and did my uh, CD on, on slavery and, and and that horror, which is, which I, 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 I play a lot now because in America uh, it's, they're actually trying to rewrite the history of what took place. And they're trying to make it like slavery was not a bad thing.
1: And it's really,
0: really, it, it's grotesque. Anyway, so that was another Great. man that inspired me. There's
1: been a lot of rewriting of history in the last years. Last well, you know, years. the
0: victors re, victors write history anyway. That's right. So it's never the full story.
1: Yes. Wow, that's, um, what an incredible gift like for someone to trust you that much to take you in now have you kept in touch with that guy that person? yeah emory
0: emory uh he uh yeah i i as often as i i think of it I, I you know it was uh 13 12 years ago and uh you know so i haven't contacted him in a few years but uh i probably will uh, just because I'm thinking about it a lot. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Well, what I guess I was, I guess mostly what I'm wondering is if he's heard the CDs.
0: Oh, I, I, I sent Emory. Uh, uh, I, I was as guessing. As but... I uh, finished the the two CDs I had. Uh, and I also send them because I have them all. They're all on my site anyways. So I, I'll, I send out uh, always to my friends in the, in the South that, that I, uh, that I met, but you know, i go into a, a, like a, a a diner. This was great. It was in Georgia. Went into a diner. I'm sitting there, and I've got my some of my CDs there, and some of the folks they just say, "Well, like, what are y'all doing down here?" And I, because I always take my guitars into the uh, restaurant because I don't want them in my car. Yes. And, uh, and I said, "Well, I'm just touring around." So well, what are you, what are y'all doing? Like, what kind of music? So I tell them, and they, and then we. They says that ain't your CD. <laughs> I say sure. What's it about? And then there we go. It's about the Civil War. Oh man! <laughs> they say, says we don't call it down here. We don't call it the Civil War. We call it the War of of Northern Aggression right they don't even consider it it's there they aggressed they were the aggressors on us it's fascinating to talk to them and it's, and i get up i go to leave and i say Lonnie, it ain't over
1: i yes i've i've also you know, that
0: it's like it was so fascinating to to meet so many of the people there and to have really good discussions uh with it business my my stories, were just stories. I wasn't being political. I wasn't trying to talk about winners and losers. I was right. telling them, "Here's history. This is the history of those times. It's, you know, you can't change what took place. Right? And if you don't and, and look and it, back, you'll never be able to resolve things. You'll never be able to move forward. You have to know what your history is." Anyways, I'm a history nut in that. I
1: one. love it. Are you kidding? Right. This is this is amazing because this is what makes up a human being. I mean, this is, these things that you're passionate about is, makes sense to me. It's all a part of who you are, right? That's the tapestry of Lonnie. Is- yeah,
0: it's true, you know, and uh, and again, I've, I've just been really fortunate to get these inspirational moments. I, again, just very briefly, I was in Savannah, gorgeous city, and someone said to me, we, we were chatting, and and I was found out. I was a musician, and he said, "You got to go uh, an hour in, inland. There's a there's a luthier there, and he's got a music store." And uh, so I I go into this into the backwoods of Georgia, and come upon this like wood shed, with a fair big size cabin, and I walk in. And there was like just umpteen mandolins and guitars, oh. all that he had made, and it was just stunning. And in the middle was the, in a glass case was this mandolin. It was like remarkable. It was, and it was uh, Ricky Skaggs bought it. You know if you know Ricky Skaggs. Oh yes! Oh my goodness! Yes. And it's fifty nine thousand dollars price tag. To- on this mandolin. It's like encased in glass. So I'm talking to this guy, Mr. Wood. His name is Wood. Can't remember his first name. Anyways, he said, uh, asked me, he said, Lonnie, are you you sticking around here? Are you just leaving? He says, because, you know, it was a a Sunday and they were open. And um, he said, because Sunday is usually some of the folk come in from the backwoods. And they do a little playing, little circle playing, you know, two or three guitar players maybe. So I said, I'm hanging in, because it was in the morning. So I, I went and had lunch and came back. And in come these musicians. And he said, normally they get two or three. They had 10 this day. They had fiddlers, a bass player. They had four guitar players. They had a mandolin player, banjo player. And they sat down in a circle and here they go 4 hours i was there 4 oh, hours listening to, listen to bluegrass like it's like i've never heard and all of them of course they didn't know each other all of them some of them did right they all know all the songs so they would just call out a tune and they and all of them sang so it was this choir of <laughs> bluegrass and then i had i had a 12 string Taylor 12-string it, and I pulled it on. and said, I'm going to join in. So I, I'm joining in, and then, then we started talking, and then they asked me why I was there and everything else. I told them about the Civil War. Oh, this guy comes, says, I'll be right back. He goes into his truck, big pickup truck. He pulls out a binder, and it's, and he says, Lonnie, I, I carry this with me everywhere, and it's just his great great grandfather, who fought in the Civil War, and he's got all the pictures, and <laughs> of his of his great, and he's he's turning the pages and he's crying while he's telling me these stories, i I'm like my mind is totally blown, and then so I give him a CD, and so the whole ten of them say, "Well, teach us a song, Lonnie," and so. I, I taught them one of the songs. And it was like, here we go. Boom. And we they played my my tune. It was just unbelievable. It was just remarkable. So that was just like more unbelievable.
1: Oh, what an absolute gift.
0: Experience of, you know, it's like a life experience. Like you you couldn't ask for it. And it was old little bizarre little. Incidents that led me to this one guy sitting on a bench who said, "Oh, you got to go inland about an hour to this, you know." And it was all timing. Like I could have said that, ah, you know, it's a long way to go. I don't know,
1: right?
0: No, but I wasn't.
1: But you did. Yeah. That that. But you did.
0: Yeah. And that's and so. This is you know to me this is this is life. It's, uh, the the beauty of it is just if you let yourself be open to stuff. You know, uh, yes, and not cut up in your own sort of routine, and uh, uh, and just take take a chance on stuff, and especially take musically, chance. take a chance with your music, and just if you love doing it, then do it.
1: And do it, oh man, oh I I think I think that that maybe this particular episode.
0: Holy gee!
1: If 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 we could, I think that's just a beautiful place to um, wrap this episode up. I I um.
0: Fantastic.
1: You are. Yeah. Um,
0: let's go. Let's get into the next section, which is my stuff with Hank Lionheart.
1: I can't no, wait. Hank. Oh, he's a dear friend. Oh, that's, geez. Like, he's a dear friend, and and I, so uh, so. Thank you so much for this, Lonnie. And I we're we're gonna go on to part three. Like, stop what? us. We're crazy. Like we this is awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Lonnie. And Great to pleasure. the listeners. Thank you, Ellie. Oh, thank you. My goodness. And to the listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And you really um man, these are amazing, amazing stories and experiences. And so This is Allie and Find Your Joy. Um, There is going to be a part three, so do come back and join us. Uh, Thanks again for spending some of your time with us today. And do find your joy.